Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Matthew Ablakhan from Millionaire's Choice. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Rama. Thank you very much. Likewise, Matt. And a little bit about Matt. Matt is the founder and owner of the Millionaire's Choice group of companies, a real estate, mortgage, insurance, and the education brand. Matthew's track record exudes his professionalism, experience, and most important, his persistent care for each and every one of his clients. So with that, Matt, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think I think uh, the biography sounds good, but I just want to say that I'm very happy to be here. What you're doing is impacting people, and it's not easy to create content. I create content as well. So kudos to you, Rama, and let's let's put on a great show for your audience. Absolutely, absolutely, sure. And so why is financial freedom important to you? And tell us more about that, you know, financial freedom club. Sure. So I just, it's funny because on my Instagram yesterday, I posted financial freedom equals independence. And these days, a lot of people are so dependent on family, on government, on the medical system and all these different things that are going on in our world. Or there's a lot of talk about dependency on oil and climate change and all these things. Financial freedom is going to help you to be completely independent, regardless of what's happening around you. And why that's important is because we all want more time. We all want more money. We all want to be able to do the things that we want to do with the people that we want to spend time with. And for me, coming from a family with no financial background, no savings. My parents both immigrated to this country in Canada, were in Canada um, in the 80s, and they left their home. They left everything behind to start a better life here. That's very important for me because I've seen them struggle. I've seen them working seven days a week. Uh, The typical immigrants who are coming here, starting a business because their credentials, both of my parents were teachers back home, did not translate over here. So They had to open up coffee shops and convenience stores. And they finally found one convenience store that made so much sense for them and helped them get a house and raise myself and my brother, put us through school, not in the sense of paying for school, but allowed us to go to school without focusing on work to pay for our parents' bills. So I'm very grateful for that. But would I have loved to have been born to a wealthy family? Sure. But at the end of the day, I'm very grateful for all the lessons I've learned, the personal development that's brought me here. But financial independence is something I think every single Canadian, American, every person on this world should strive for so that they can just do whatever they want to do and spend time with those they want to spend time with. Awesome. And thank you for sharing that. So yeah, how did you get into real estate space? It was because when I was in university, I was working two part-time jobs. One of them was at Johnny Rockets, which is an American company. It's a fast food burger joint. And the second one was Lucky Strikes, which is also, it's a bowling alley slash bar, which is also American. And I was in university. My undergrad was in law. I was doing that with teachers college. And I said, how am I going to live off a $30,000 salary, $40,000 salary at the time? This is what I was thinking. 
And I could not even make any ends meet. Like I was working, I was volunteering, I was paying for university and I had nothing to show for it besides, you know, eventually I'm going to have my degree. And that wasn't good enough for me. So I was starting to look at different opportunities all throughout my life. I was always selling something. I was learning what my parents were doing in their businesses, buying low, selling high. That's really what a convenience store is all about. And I would sell things in high school and in university. I said, you know what? It's time to, to really look into this a little bit deeper because now as I'm getting older and I'm writing the check for my tuition, getting OSAP, which is our student loan program, you know, I'm going to have to figure out a way to pay this money back. And so I stumbled upon real estate. I very quickly realized that working at those part-time jobs in university, I wasn't going to get a mortgage. I wasn't going to. I don't have the credibility or background to raise money from somebody and do a deal that way. So I looked into other opportunities, which is where I found pre-construction real estate. And in Canada and Ontario, you know, when you look at a project that's going to be built maybe in 2025, if you're looking at it today, that project takes a number of years prior to its launch to even get to the position where the builder can start selling the units. And then it takes years to build it. So one thing with all real estate deals, especially multifamily, we talk about is time. So with pre-construction, we had time on our side, a little bit of speculation, but we had time on our side. I didn't need the mortgage right away. I didn't need the 20% down payment right away. I just needed $15,000. So I used part of my OSAP loan, student loan, and a little bit of money I had saved from the rest, the restaurant businesses. And I ended up buying my first pre-construction condo, which I still own today, 11 years later. Got it, got it. So are you still doing the, the construction stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I've bought pre-construction real estate almost every single year for the last 10 years, in addition to some of my other properties that I have in my portfolio. But I ended up getting into real estate sales and own my own brokerage now, Millennials Choice. And we teach people how to do that. So we have a number of different builders that we work with, and those builders... I like to work with our the, the most reputable builders in our industry. They have a proven track record, no funny business. Uh, they usually, I like to work with builders that usually build communities. And the reason why is because if you have a builder that's building communities, meaning more than one building, more than one subdivision, chances are as time progresses because of the market and because of the cost of construction and taxes and our whole economy, things are going to get more and more expensive. And so if you buy from a builder in the early stages where they have a community that they're developing, chances are you're going to make some money. So I still do that. And it's it's an easy, easy way to make money. Got it. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way to start investing, you know, during pre, pre-sale or you know, early stages of the, uh, the community. Yeah. So what, what, what is the pre-construction process? So typically, you'll find a project that you like, you'll inquire with the builder, they'll provide you with all the information, and you select your unit. So there will be different unit types, one bedroom, one bedroom plus dens, two bedrooms. Some of them even have large three-bedroom units. Now, you'll select the one you like the most, and you make the offer. And in our market, there's really no negotiating. (laughs) It's the builder sets it, and this is what it is. Um, And you, you... Put an agreement of purchase and sale together. So once you sign the agreement, all the checks are provided. So there will be a, a payment plan that the builder will put in place for what's called your deposit. 
Now that deposit is your money. It's credited to you. And as long as you make the payments, those are your only obligations that you have to make at the time of purchase until the property is ready. Whether it's a condo or it's a townhouse or a single detached, all you need to make sure of is you're making your payments. So it's quite simple to sign on the dotted line, but you need to make sure that you're going to make those payments. And then, of course, whenever the project is ready, you're going to need a mortgage and you're going to close the deal. So it's very simple to get into. I tell people it's very simple to get into, but make sure you're aware of what's going to come after you've paid the deposit and then what requirements are your requirements for closing. So, yeah, thank you. So what are the, some of the most important considerations when, when pre-constructing a, a real estate project? So I always tell my clients um, what I'm buying is from reputable builders. So reputable builder, number one, I don't care if there's a great location and the builder has a very shady track record or if it's a new builder, you, you want to be very careful because you want to make sure that the builder is well capitalized. And actually, these last two years, we've seen some builders that had a good name, good reputation. They pulled some funny business amongst their purchasers. And one example is a builder that went back to purchasers now two years later and said, hey, we need to give you need to give us an extra $100,000, $120,000 to close this deal because the construction costs jumped so much during COVID-19 because of supply chain issues and, and whatnot. So, and closures and all that stuff. So we want to make sure, number one, you're buying from a reputable builder. Number two, the location has to make sense. So is it close to public transit? Are jobs coming in or are jobs leaving? Uh, what's the rental market like there? Are there any universities near, near there? What's happening is, is there too many cranes, we call it too many cranes in the sky, which means lots of competition, overbuilding maybe. We, we want to analyze these things. So that's typically what we look for. And then the last thing is, do you really like the project? Do you like how it looks? Do you like the amenities? Do you like all of that stuff? So if the first few things are not checkmarked, we don't even look at it. Got it. So you, you touched the supply chain issue uh, currently going on, right? So what's that? What's your take on like how exactly that will be resolved? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But what's happening is on our end, a lot of developers and builders that are in Ontario, especially the big ones, they are just waiting to see how things play out because with the recent interest rate hikes, we just had one as well uh, last week, I believe. Um, with the recent interest rate hikes, some people have been priced out of the market. Affordability continues to, uh, I guess I should say, unaffordability continues to increase because people can't afford these homes. Uh, we have something called the qualifying rate. So if the rates that the banks are giving are, let's say, 5%, they, people have to qualify at 7%. So it's pricing a lot of people out of the market. But also for builders, the main concern is that we don't know how to price the project because we don't know what the construction costs are going to be six months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now. So that's putting a further restriction, or I should say constraint, on supply. And in Ontario, we needed about 1.5, which I should say we need 1.5 million homes over the next 10 years just to keep pace with demand. We don't even build 40,000 units a year. 
So if a builder that's responsible for a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand units is saying we're just gonna wait, it's gonna put further constraints on supply. So I don't know if there's really um, a good way to fix supply chain issues. I think I think a lot more people are gonna be forced to rent, um, and they won't be they won't be able to get into the market. And I think a lot of investors that are you know even even in your in your area like you guys have large Wall Street corporations that are buying single family homes, even during a downturn, simply because they know that a lot of people are going to be renting from them and it's going to become a new asset class that they're going to sell to their investors. So I think the rich are going to keep getting richer. A lot of people don't like that. Investors are going to get richer. I don't know if there's a way to to fix the supply chain, especially with threats of more lockdowns. Like where we're living, the federal government's telling us there might be lockdowns coming this winter. And all around the world, they're talking about climate change and climate lockdowns. So I don't know if there's really a way to fix it necessarily, but or if it's going to get fixed anytime in the near future. But if there's an opportunity for people to invest and just get their foot in the door, take it. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So what are some of the challenges you have faced during pre-construction, you know, purchases? With pre-construction, I mean, if, if you're ever working on a project and you're spending a lot of time working on it um, and for some reason the project gets canceled which could happen all of your clients deposit monies all of your money is guaranteed by our government so our government of ontario they protect all of your deposit monies plus the builder must get third-party insurance coverage and usually when you're buying a condo the money is actually held in trust meaning the builder cannot touch that money and go buy a lamborghini with it they have to leave it with a law firm, leave it in their trust account, and it cannot be touched. So some of the challenges that we face is projects getting canceled, projects getting delayed. Those are the biggest, I guess, the biggest hurdles, um, simply because you have people that want to live in these units sometimes. They want to move in. They're not investors, but a project will get delayed. And I, I share this with you because if any of your listeners are, are watching this or viewing this and, and they're getting into pre-construction, Delays are part of the process. So be prepared for them and obviously allocate your finances accordingly and prepare for those delays. So did you see any other risks and how do you manage uh, those kind of risks? I mean, as an investor, if the project is getting delayed, um, what I want to make sure that I don't do is I buy so many units that are all going to be ready at the same time. Um, because it's different when you're buying multifamily uh, apartment building where there's 12 units, but you only have to close the deal once and get one loan and, and, and all that. But with 12 pre-construction units, let's say, and they're all closing at the same time, you know, lenders are going to be a little bit weary to lend to you all at the same time. It's, it's a, works a little bit differently. So I would say just be careful in terms of if you're going to scale then don't be buying projects or properties that are going to be ready at the same time if that's going to be a challenge for you. Because uh, sometimes when I buy, I buy like five units in one building. So, so I want to make sure that I, I'm buying five units in this building and the next building won't be ready for two years later or a year and a half later so that I could, I could spread it out and budget for any delays. So at least like you will keep like one year, two years gap in between, right? So okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, got it, got it. So would you share any other, you know, any best investing experience so far? 
my bet, my best investments that I have in my portfolio. So I've never sold any property that I've purchased except one. And I only sold that earlier this year in 2022 because I purchased the home that my wife and I live in. And I needed to sell that investment just to free up the capital. We, we bought a pretty big home, Rama. It's a, it's a, it's a liability. <laughs> I shouldn't have bought it, but it's good for, it's, it's good for us in other ways. Um, so I bought property since I was 19 years old. Now I'm 30, turning 31. I haven't sold anything, but my best deals have been the ones that most people said, oh, that's a, that's a crappy area or the people living in that area are not good people. Uh, the tenants are not going to be good. Whatever excuse that they brought up, those have been the properties that I've made the most money on. So what I say to people is know your market, know it very, very well, know the details, what's happening with jobs, what's happening with inventory, what's happening at the local level of government, the provincial level, are they funding projects, are they anti-projects? I want to know everything there is to know about the market and go from there. So what I tell people is just educate yourself. And then there's always going to be the what if questions and you need to, you need to make a decision either to move forward or step back. So yeah, I, I would say just know your market and, and get into that. So I, I learned my markets really well. I took a chance and it's paid off. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And would you also share any challenging experiences? The biggest challenge was actually our office that we're in now. And the reason being is we were working with our bank that had our trust account uh, for millennials choice with them. They saw our retained earnings, the monies that are in the corporation. And we were down to like the last 30 days. And that bank wasn't giving us a clear answer as to the financing for the unit. So our office is one of the units that I bought and I designed and I finished it myself. So I figured, why am I going to pay rent to somebody when I could just own it, own the asset myself? Um, so I bought it and I was stressed out. That and my first property I ever bought because it's your first one and you don't really know how to go about things and it's new to you. Everything is new to you. And I was 19 and I didn't have a career yet. I wasn't in real estate sales at the time. So getting the financing was the most difficult thing for both of those properties. And then once you go through it and you figure out a solution, it becomes so easy. And, and after that, I've bought so many more properties. So because I, I gained that confidence. So I think for me, the financing was challenging because I just didn't know where to go. And then once I figured that out, it was it was pretty smooth sailing from there. And I, I tell people all the time, real, getting in the real estate business is not a side hustle. It's a full-time business. You're Instead of buying a McDonald's franchise, you're deciding to buy real estate. And that has different responsibilities that come with it. And the IRS and the, and the CRA, they see it as you're collecting income every single month, rental income, and then you're paying expenses, property tax, maintenance fees, interest on your loan, accounting fees, lawyer fees, realtor fees, whatever it is. And that's a business. So if the government is seeing it as a business, why are we not seeing it as a business either? So it, it needs to be treated as a business and any business has its challenges. And people need to understand that it's not fast money. It could be difficult, but it definitely could be rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And so what is your current focus? Right now, my focus is um, I'm closing two buildings that I my company has been working on since 2019. I'm closing those. 
We're helping people get their mortgages. We're helping people find tenants. We're helping people flip their units because different people have different strategies. And so my focus now is I'm settled into my home. We're starting a family. We we have a, a really nice portfolio, a good chunk of change. I'm looking to do I'm looking to do the biggest purchase that I've ever done in my career. And I don't count my primary residence, which was, you know, it was expensive, but it's my primary residence. I, I'm looking to do the biggest investment that I've ever done, whether that's a piece of development that's a significant piece of development, or it's a plaza or a strip mall or something, that's that's or a multifamily building, that's my next move. Got it. And good luck with that. Thank you. Sure. So share me any personal habits that are helping you to be successful. I just work. Uh, Rama, I'm, I, I have that immigrant mentality. I'm born in Canada. My brother and I are born in Canada. But all we saw was the immigrant mentality. And a lot of, a lot of days now, people want to be entrepreneurs because it's the cool thing to do. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. But my parents, when they did it, because they, they were entrepreneurs here, they had to do it. They didn't have a choice. And till this day, my parents will tell me, you should have been a lawyer. You should have been a doctor. You should have been this. And I tell them, guys, don't worry about it. I love what I do. I, I'm enjoying what I do. I'm great at it. I'm getting better at it. I, I have the company. I love it. So I tell people all the time, like with respects to entrepreneurship, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not someone who necessarily fits the description of an entrepreneur, don't do it because it's the cool thing to do. Do it because you want to do it and, or, or you have to do it. It was born out of necessity. And that's, that's something that, that we preach on. Got it. So you, any one idea or in one, one decision that you took had major impact on your life? My wife and I went to Curacao. It's one of the islands near Aruba. And I read the Remax book. I think everybody should read it. Every, it's called Everybody Wins. And it's the story of how Remax was created. And at that point, when I read that book, it was July of, uh, I think, 2017 or 2018. And I read it as I was on the island. I made the decision to launch Millennials Choice. And so Millennials Choice became its own company, its own brand. We became completely independent. And it was a very scary thing to do. Even talking to my old boss, we, I've been there for like seven years. And I said, you know what? It's time for me to go. And I was worried about my contacts and my relationships and things like that. But it worked out. Until this day, we talk about it. We say, I wish we did that sooner. So one of the best decisions to, that I made was leaving where I was, somewhere where I was comfortable. And I didn't have to worry about so many things that we think about now and worry about now to launch my own brand, my own entity, Millennials Choice. Best decision I made. Got it. And of course, marrying my wife because she's in the other room. So she hears me now. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah. So any any books that impacted your life? Yeah, for sure. I have them in my office just in the other room, but uh, I have a huge collection of books. Lots of them I have not read yet. Uh, most of them I've read, but I have many that I haven't read yet. Um, off the top of my head, number one, uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, because it, that was the first book I ever read on personal development. Changed my whole outlook. Uh, 10X by Grant Cardone. Very motivational, love it. He wrote it during a time when he was going through uh, financial difficulty, so it, it was really raw and, and authentic. Um, I love Jim Rowan, so he has a number of different books, 12 Pillars, um, the, the Changing Seasons. 
So he's somebody I enjoy reading. I, I've been listening to the audio. I've read the book in the past, but every morning now I've been listening to the audio of the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma, great author as well. Um, and if you guys have not heard of O.G. Mandino, he's an author, O.G. Mandino. He's wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World, Greatest Miracle in the World. Lots of powerful lessons packed in a really small book. And we can go on and on. Acres of Diamond. Um, yeah, so those, those are just some. Get started with those. Those are good. Yeah. Awesome books. Yeah, thank you. So how can listeners can connect with you? I'm all over social media. So if you just Google Matthew Applecan, uh, my company is Millennials Choice. I have people that run that. But Matthew Applecan is me. And you can visit my website, MatthewAblican.com. Also, I finished co-authoring a book with Kevin Harrington and Robert G. Allen. Um, I co-authored a book with these guys, and I'm willing to offer it to your listeners absolutely for free. Obviously, if you're, you're in Ontario and you want a physical copy, I can give you a physical copy. But if you're in the States or listening to this or watching to this anywhere else, just go to financialfreedomclub.ca forward slash ebook ebook there's no hyphen and you'll get a copy right away and maybe we'll i'll give you the link rama maybe you could share it as well sure absolutely absolutely yeah. and thank you very much matt i really appreciate it and thanks for sharing your expertise on you know pre-construction process well you're welcome thank you for having me and uh, i hope we can be back together on the near future sure absolutely thank you thanks Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.